Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Edwin Frondozo, and this is episode number 48. And in this episode, I sit down with Sashin Agarwal, the Chief Executive Officer of Think Research. In our conversation, we discuss the challenges of leading innovation change within the healthcare industry, how building trust is the key to adoption, and he shares his experience working as a lawyer and within politics. Before jumping in, I want to send a quick shout out to my media partners, IT World Canada and Startup Canada for the ongoing support. Now let's get started. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Sachin. Thank you. I'd like to get started. If you could just introduce yourself to our listeners today. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Who's, who's Sachin when you're not growing and leading organizations? <laughs> well, the truth is right, right now, I, I, I'm, I'm not much but that. Right? I, I don't get a lot of spare personal time. I'm, I'm working, uh, working long hours. And, uh, and if I'm, if I'm not here, I'm taking as much downtime as I can. I've got a, I've got a dog. I, I'm a single guy. I read when I can, but even then that's mostly reading for work. So why don't you tell us more about your company, Think Research? Let us know. I mean, your current role, what's your focus and perhaps what are the goals that you have sure. set for it for the next, let's say 12 months? Yeah, for sure. Sure. So, so Think Research is, uh, is a knowledge translation company in healthcare. And so it's a, that's a, a bit of a new space in healthcare in the sense of, uh, what we, what we do is we take clinical evidence and apply it to the bedside. So we help doctors and nurses and pharmacists and other care providers to care for their patients by guiding them in the right direction with respect to the care that they provide. Right. So you can, you can imagine this is delivered through software. There's, uh, as this, as the software and solutions progress, there's an element of machine learning. There's an element of, uh, decision support and clinical algorithms that, that go into this sort of technology. So we're able to, to do what we're doing because there's a bit of a technology convergence in these different areas that, uh, that bring this sort of software to life. Right. And, frankly, there aren't that many companies out there that are doing what we do at scale, right? So we're in a, we're in a really uh, lucky position where we're the largest knowledge translation company in Canada right now in healthcare. And we're one of a small number of companies at scale that are doing this internationally. So now is our time to grow. Right now is our time to grow and, and become one of those major players. Tell me more about that. I mean, this is a an industry that needs to change and these type of solutions technology that you're providing to the bedside using new technologies like how what are the challenges and how do you i guess lead from being this small subset of companies that are are really trying to push this through in this industry in healthcare uh, and it's a slow industry to to adopt technology and to and to change and that's not because uh anyone is trying to impede the adoption of technology. It's slow for, for one reason, and that is trust, right? This is an industry where 
everyone is trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. The doctors, the nurses, the healthcare administrators, the government officials, everyone is doing the, is trying to do the right thing, right? But uh, with new technology and with change, uh, you're affecting people's lives. You're impacting their lives. This is, and, and we're not talking about uh, necessarily quality of life. In many cases, we're talking about life or death. Right. Right. And so, and so the, the level of trust that you need in those solutions to adopt them needs to be high. Right. And so the slowness in healthcare, some of it comes from a place of, you know, the right reasonable, place. the right place. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and you can't fault that reason. What you do have to do is you have to you have to recognize that that's the case, and you have to be able to drive up the trust in your solutions. Right. And uh, sometimes you get one solution to market. You you develop high trust, and as a consequence of that high trust, you can you can parlay it into other solutions as you bring them to market. Right. So that's the place that we're in now. We're, we're introducing many new solutions into the market and the trust no longer has to be in the individual solution. It's now at the company level. Right. Which is, which really helps us to introduce new, new solutions to market. This is really interesting. I mean, I have family who's been in the bedside, who's been sick and passed away and whatnot. And to me, to gain that trust, who, who, who do you work with? Like, are you working with every level of healthcare? Are you this software company that comes in and says, this is the solution and you need right. to be, you know, you need to catch up to us. Like, like it's, to me, it's like, it's a, it's a black box. You've got to, you've got to convince the clinicians, right? And that means typically the, the senior influential physicians, nurses, and pharmacists. Mm -hmm. And when you gain their trust, trust is, uh, it's a social thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you, you, we think of solutions like uh, Facebook or LinkedIn or other solutions like that. Well, you know, other uh, software, enterprise software is, is, has some of those elements where there's, there's a peer to peer sharing of trust, right? And so, so you want to, you want to target the most influential of those clinicians mm -hmm. who have the ability and the power to adopt something. And then, through uh, gaining their trust, they spread that trust to their peers, and you can refer to them. They become references. They become uh, they become champions, hopefully, right? And and that's how you spread and build that trust. Oh, that's amazing! Um, I'm just going to change gears a little, Sachin, and this is amazing. And I'm sure you and I could probably talk about your work, um, but I want to I want to take a look in terms of you and how you grew as a leader. And when I looked at your career, it seems that you've changed careers a number of times already. Um, you started as a lawyer, you went into politics, and now you're obviously running Think Research. So I'd love for you to share with us some of the key turning points that you encountered and the decisions that you had to make that eventually allowed you to grow as the business leader you are today. Sure, sure. There's a, yeah, you're right. You're, I have changed uh, you're, it I, seems I, like you're in your third I, career already. <laughs> I'm sure. Hopefully, there'll be a fourth and a fifth. And I a like that. Somewhere. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think of the changes as being as dramatic as maybe they appear from the outside. Sure, sure. Right. I uh, I did study. Uh, I, I guess I started my study. I, I did biochemistry in my undergrad with a minor in uh, in political science. Mm -hmm. Then I went to law school and with, while doing law school, I was still 
uh, on the young side when I started law school, I said, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to go into the workforce right away. Right. So I did my MBA together with my law degree. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of feel like everything after that has just been a consequence of a, of a good foundation, right? I'm in large foundation as well. And I'm in healthcare and technology now. Yes, you say yeah. I'm making use of every bit of that education. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, even in politics or in law, I was, it was really just building on top of that foundation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So in terms of each foundation, I mean, like you said, outside looking in, it does look like so many different things. But as you changed from working in as a lawyer and then moving to politics, was there anything specific that you had to change? in terms of job role or outlook or even elevating yourself to to lead you know I'll, I'll uh i consider all the roles to be relatively similar which is, is, is strange maybe the the lawyer aside all my political roles and all my business roles i've sort of uh, think of as being similar because in every case you're building something mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. a can a political campaign is actually uh is is just a business that needs to come together really rapidly for a fixed period of time and then it disappears. Right. But, uh, and so it's in that sense, you gotta, you gotta raise the money. You gotta bring the people together. You gotta get the, you know, hire the, ta- the talent. You gotta, you gotta deliver a message and you've got to shoot for a, for a goal. All of those things are relevant to the business world and quickly and quickly. <laughs> and, and you gotta really lead people and really, um, allow people to follow it. I want to take back because you were working as a lawyer before you went into politics, right? So what got you into it? Like what made you make that move? I was always uh, interested and involved in politics. I was, you know, I was that nerdy kid who was on student council in grade nine Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I was the high school president and I was involved in undergrad. Uh, And so I, I, I feel like I've, it's not that I got involved in politics, it's that I've never left politics. Right, right. Right. So I've always, you know, I've been involved in various roles all the way throughout in advocacy of some kind. Right. And so, uh, so, you know, the roles that I've taken in politics are, are just an extension of that, of that advocacy. Right, right. So, and then you, I mean, your political career was, was, a number of years, right? You worked with uh, Michael Ignatiev, and then you were chief deputy of staff. Um, was that different as well in terms of you know running the running the staff as well? Because now you're you're like an employee versus sure. running campaign type type uh, projects. Uh, you know, being in government on the political level. So when I was deputy chief of staff for, for Michael Ignatiev, that was uh, it's it was actually just a longer campaign. To be honest, okay, you, we're, you're in opposition. Yes, uh, I've got staff now, real staff, right? I we had a, a hundred odd, hundred and twenty odd people in the in the office of the leader of the opposition uh, at that point. And uh, but what you're all you're doing is building your message. You're building and you're building an organization, a volunteer organization to help uh, make your guy prime minister. Mm-hmm. Right? We we didn't do that successfully, mm-hmm. but. It was, uh, but it was, it was really just building off of the previous roles that I had. So, so when I was running, uh, Ignatieff's, uh, campaign as his deputy campaign manager. And prior to that, I had, I had run actually a, a number of local campaigns. 
Wow, that's amazing. And and it sounds like, do you miss running campaigns, I guess? No, no. I think of politics, maybe, maybe this is just my perspective. Yeah. But I think of politics as a young person's game and as an older person's game, right? I, I think when you, when you're, when you can work 18, 20 hours a day, 24 hours a day without sleeping and you're, you know, and you're in your early twenties, early mid twenties, that's great. That's awesome. You should do it. It's a great experience. And then, uh, you know, go out, build a career, build a, build a life, build a reputation for yourself. And then maybe at some point in the future, you go back into politics as, as, uh, someone with some credibility on a, on, sure. and experience on a number of topics. Right. So, so for me, uh, that in between period is the time to, to go off and do something else. Is there anything specific that you do to better yourself as as a, as a leader, whether it's in politics or within business? I mean, that's a big gap from when you left school, when you're running chief, when you're chief of staff, and now you're running an organization. Are there anything that you do personally? For sure, there's there's a there's a bunch of things that I do and that I'd recommend to anyone. Uh, mm-hmm. One is read, read a lot. There are. Uh, there are brilliant people out there who you will never be able to access in your life who have uh, some amazing insights. So, so I, I try to devour as much as I possibly can in terms of, uh, in terms of books that are relevant to me. And that might be business books. It might be, uh, it might be biographies of uh, individuals. Uh, it might be, uh, it might be books that are just exploring technology or the change in changes in technology. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a, it's not just in your industry or just a, a book about running a business. It's, it's a whole variety of things. Uh, because then you, uh, you know, you, you go to sleep, those ideas plant little seeds in your brain. Yeah. Those, those books plant, plant little seeds in your brain and then, and then they sprout into something. Right. right? So that's number one, read. Mm-hmm. Number two, Get a network of peers, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, fortunate, I'm fortunate to be a member of um, YPO, uh, and YPO has given me a, a, a brilliant network of peers who are in diverse industries, and it's incredible how much you learn from industries that are not your own, right? Different ways of doing things, advice from different perspectives, that's incredible. And the last thing is have mentors. Right. And so all through my life, I have been very lucky to have some really brilliant and impressive mentors from, you know, I could name mentors when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I can name mentors, uh, you know, all the way through my legal and political careers. And I've got some, some remarkable mentors today too. Speaking of mentors, I'm not sure if you worked with him directly. I know you mentioned to me previously that uh, you listed Jim Basili, former co-CEO of uh, Rim Black Bear, as as you know someone that you look you look up to. And can you tell us why or, or what do you admire about his his skills or his leadership so, style? One of the smartest men that I've uh, one of the smartest people that I've uh, that I've ever met. And, uh, you know, his brain works in, in ways that, uh, uh, that a mind just doesn't. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so he's able to, to, to make connections between, uh, between things that are going on in the marketplace that, that are just, are just really remarkable. He's, uh, he's, 
He's, he's been great, great to me. He's extremely accessible, you know, answers, uh, available for a quick phone call or for, you know, to, to meet up, uh, uh, when, whenever necessary. And, uh, you know, he pushes me, which is great. He's, he's, uh, he pushes me to be a better leader. He pushes me to be a better advocate and to be a better businessman. And he, and listen, he's been through the worst, the best of the best and the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to consider him a, a mentor. If there was one tip that uh, Jim gave you, uh, <laughs> one that really stands out, which, which one comes to mind? Yeah, he gives me a, a, a lot of advice on capital markets and when to take cash for the business, when not to take cash. And, and so, uh, you know, <laughs> every time I see him, he says, he says, uh, let them set the price, you set the terms. And, uh, for anyone who's raising money for their business, that, uh, that, I think that would be meaningful advice to them. You mentioned, and, and I'm a big believer in reading and, and through the podcast, like, I'm, you know, I'm building a huge list of books, uh, you know, just from the peers that I'm getting on what to read. And I know you mentioned to me that you're currently reading Great by Choice by Jim, Jim Collins and also the signals, the signals are taken by Amy Webb. Can you share your biggest takeaways from, from, from those two books sure great uh great by choice it's i mean really it's a book about being deliberate Mm -hmm. right and uh not thinking that you can leave uh, things to chance and it's a bit of a recipe book with respect to businesses on on how to be deliberate and the main things to consider when you're when you're deliberate about growing your business uh the signals are talking is a fun book it's uh, it's about looking at the very margins of uh, what, of what's occurring in technology in, in any given space and trying to be able to predict uh, the impact of what that technology will have in the future right so this is about uh, this is about change in, change in technology and and what is at the at the fringe and how it makes its way to the mainstream right and how to watch for those signals. Oh, that's very cool. So, do, do, does she go through specific examples, or is it? I mean, because you mentioned it was a fun book, and it sounds like you probably read yeah. it really quickly. Yeah, yeah, uh, abs- absolutely. <laughs> so, there's a, numerous examples in the book. Everything from self-driving cars and and uh, and how we used to view those as you know, and we, you know, the the assumption uh, twenty thirty years ago was that we'd see a flying car. Uh, which, right. which was just sort of the mainstream. We'll see. If, but, but, and why she thought, no, that was, that was never going to be the case. And what were the limitations in that technology versus self-driving, which she, she which she said, uh, would be, uh, something that she, she would have predicted some time ago. Uh, and, and, you know, and this, this numerous, numerous examples through, through the book, including things like, uh, the, the marriage between, uh, technology and our brains. Mm. And, uh, our ability to, to, uh, interact with technology at a, at that level and how, uh, how that is going to impact the future of technology. So something that we might think of as being really at the fringe today, but, uh, probably should be something that we watch, especially in, in my industry. Sachin, if I were to ask any of your team members, maybe past, present, some of your colleagues, your peers, What's the best leadership quality that you possess? What do you think they would say? I, I, I mean, you may want to ask them. <laughs> I'm sure they'll give you the, the, the honest answer versus, uh, 
who knows what they'll what they'll say to to uh, to me. But I, I I would like to think that it's uh, that I listen and watch and learn, right? And and I think that uh, especially in a growing organization, in a rapidly changing field, if you're not uh, listening and watching for those small things which will turn into big things, whether they're opportunities or whether they're risks, then I think that's a, I think that's a problem. I think it's, it's critically important as your business is growing to, to be really mindful of those, of those small things. What else, Sashin? What, what else are, I, I know you're super busy growing this business, but are there any other special projects, initiatives, or any fun thing that you're looking forward to or you're really excited about? Uh, I like, uh, I do like the advocacy work that I do on the side. It's sort of related to my business. Okay. I, I, uh, I, uh, I volunteer and I'm on the board of directors of the Council of Canadian Innovators. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, an organization that represents the fastest, the largest and fastest growing Canadian technology companies. So there's about 70 plus members of that organization. So I spend a fair bit of time with them on advocacy with the Canadian government, uh, Canadian and provincial governments about, uh, uh, innovation policy, uh, data policy and how we deal with data and intellectual property. Uh, that's, that's, uh, fun and, and exciting. And then I've got a, I've got a dog that I adore and I spend a lot of time with him. You can see, and we're in my office right now and you can see his bed and his toys in the, in the corner of my office. So normally he's here, but, uh, I'm wondering where he went. Did he have a pedicure? He, yeah. He's, he's actually out at the groomer right now. <laughs> that's hilarious. And it's funny because that was the first thing I noticed. I'm actually, dog sitting, uh, my parents, uh, little Pomeranian because they're away in the Philippines. Um, Sachin, before we end, I'd love to get maybe some final thoughts, observations. Ideally, what I'm, I'm trying to get is actionable recommendations that you can share for anyone who is growing as a, le- whether it's a business leader a, within politics, you know, who's listening there today. It's a, uh, I mean, you know, you know, the, um, the concept of, of 10,000 hours, the mm-hmm. concept that you've got to do something for 10,000 hours before you really master it. Yes. Uh, in a, in a changing world and a changing environment, that number is probably much higher than that. Uh, especially for, for business leaders who are trying to, uh, to master a field that is, that it's constantly changing. So you've, you've got to really dedicate yourself to it. And that means in multiple aspects of your life, this is, it's not a, if you're trying to trying to uh, change an industry or or, or uh, you know change a uh, change uh, grow and change a business, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a commitment. It's it's a you got to be passionate about it. You got to love it, and you got to spend the time to uh, to really absorb every aspect of it. To close, can you tell us where we can find more information about you, your company? Or anything else you'd love to share with us? Uh, you know the website thinkresearch.com. Uh, I I always uh, welcome uh, emails from uh, folks that want to just get in touch. My email address is my first name dot last name at thinkresearch.com, and so I encourage folks to reach out, and I'm uh, happy to uh, happy to chat with anybody. Awesome! Again, Sashin, thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. My pleasure, and thanks for having me. That's it, folks. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast, episode number 48 with Sashin Agawal. 
For more information about Sashin, Think Research, or anything we discussed, please go to the Business Leadership Podcast slash 048. Tune in next week when I chat with Ben Baldwin, CEO and founder of the Founder City Project. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you again. And until next time, Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.